Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons, including Richard JJ, Peter Shakeshaft, Steve Roger Prigg, Roland Wright, Alex Bailey, Craig Rangeley, and Jane, who are supporting us directly, in addition to Aaron and Charlotte and Pangolin Sandwich in our live chat right now. You can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show and our exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, which is only available to patrons. That doesn't go anywhere else by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And later on in the show, in the Patreon only story that we include every week for patrons, um, we're going to talk about a a massive scoop that I got last night that meant that I uh, had to bail on, on date night and instead lock myself in in my office for 5 hours trying to break break a story which i did at 11 at 11:46 p.m. it it, uh, it published youtube amazon prime video apple tv plus and netflix have all said they are cutting their streaming qualities or defaulting to lower resolution options as a way of reducing their strain on europe's internet service providers this naturally will come as no surprise, is a response to the coronavirus-related self-isolation periods and kids being pulled out of school, etc. At the best of times, during peak times, that is, Netflix alone, I think, Ian, and correct me if you've heard if you've heard different to this, has been estimated to account for as much as a third of all internet traffic. Could well be. Um at peak times and that's 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 without coronavirus that's just how much netflix accounts for at at, uh, at normal hours so cutting this by 25% as it said it will be able to do by reducing the quality of these streams could in theory instantly free up networks to deliver other vital services video consultations with doctors online food shopping and of course pornography Now, initial comments from companies suggest these bandwidth reducing measures will last for 30 days, but I don't think it'll surprise any of us here uh, if uh, if that period gets extended down the line based on the development of the COVID-19 situation. Have you noticed any lower quality issues on your end, Ian, as a result of this? What with you being in Europe still? Um, no, I haven't actually, and um, I. But I don't necessarily think that's because they haven't happened yet. I think it's because uh, I don't have high-end TV equipment to notice it. Um, I suspect if I had a 4K TV, I might be able to tell the difference. But no, um, I watch a lot of my TV on a, a bedroom TV that's just 720p. So I'm probably not being subject to much uh, <laughs> capping in terms of quality anyway. But I don't actually think this is got a real point actually if i'm going to be completely honest i think it it feels like a kind of a a doing something for the sake of doing something measure that no one asked for and people argue isn't necessary well some people did ask for it because lawmakers in uh, in europe had raised concerns that uh, 
basically ISPs wouldn't be able to cope with the demands. That's where some of this originated. Well, but ISPs didn't say that, did they? ISPs have said the opposite, actually. There was a uh, an interesting BBC story I saw that was a bit buried away uh, this week, but it had some interesting stats about the usage, the network usage. Um, and essentially, they BT said that it had the headroom, and it used that term, headroom, to cope with increased demand. Um, but it, it did also say that since Tuesday, data usage on BT's network had increased by as much as 60%, but it was still... Uh, daytime and evening usage was still lower than the highest levels it had ever recorded, which was around. Um, I can't remember the, when exactly it was, but there was. There Wasn't was, it Christmas or something? I, I, it, no, it, well, may, it might have been a Boxing Day or something, but it was around the time that um, there was a massive football con- uh, tournament on and some popular video games being released. So it could well have been but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, The figures that I did pull out, um, though, is the highest rate of traffic that BT said it's ever seen on its own network is 17.5 terabits per second. And that was on one of these evenings where there was video game downloads and football streaming going on. And just to put this into context, one terabit per second is the equivalent of about 125 gigabytes being downloaded every second but you don't think this is necessary Ian. why if 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 netflix accounts for a third of internet traffic and it's said that it will temporarily drop the default quality down to down to a level that will reduce its usage by 25 percent surely that's that is a a useful thing to offer well it is sort of useful i guess if you you know give people a choice about doing it but um most of uh, Netflix's content is streamed from the edge of the network anyway. So have you have you heard of how they tend to deal with um, streaming services? It's usually they will install or they will send ISPs uh, hardware devices which sit in their, um, in their network. So usually closer to the customer. So it might be at your, it wouldn't be at each exchange, but it would be like at a central place for distribution. So say... I don't know if if there's a distribution area which handles all of the incoming lines from exchanges. There will be Netflix equipment in that exchange, which has a cache of the stuff that people are commonly requesting. But even so, I don't I don't I don't see any of this as being necessary. I think what we're looking at is essentially every day probably having around the same volume of data as a weekend. So the, the ISPs are quite well able to cope with that kind of demand. So why wouldn't they better cope with that during the week? Plus, of course, you've got to factor in the fact that businesses are largely shut down. So there won't be business traffic in quite the same way as there would be. So that's that's I, I, I thought that. And then I thought, well, actually, a lot of businesses have relocated their staff to home. And so perhaps the network traffic is if anything, increased because a lot of meetings and conversations that would take in person are maybe now taking place over things like Zoom and and FaceTime and all these other services, Microsoft Teams. And and, and we have seen reports that those services have been uh, peaking as well. So I do think that people will be using more. But I also think how many people are streaming Netflix while also working? <laughs> because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot write if I've got something on next to me, I need no. I like music to be on, but sometimes I even turn that off yeah. uh, if I'm in a quiet area because it just 
you know, I just want to focus. I'm not streaming Netflix in the corner of the room. No, no, no. I never do that. I can't. I can't focus on things like that at the same time at all. It, uh, music or nothing. And unlike you, often music is even too much. So, well, I did a little test on this because I did think I could tell a difference um, with the streaming quality, and it wasn't with an Apple TV Plus uh, title, as in one of their sub- the subscription titles. It was with um, Men in Black. And I, I just happened to put this on in bed last night because Kate and I were talking about it and I like to fall asleep to things I know very well. And um, when I loaded it up, I did notice that the quality seemed lower. And at first I thought, oh, this is weird. Like, why is this not streaming? Because it's a 4K HDR uh, master that um, that they use now for that streaming service. And then I thought back to this story. So as a little test, I switched on my VPN and but I but I used a, a server an exit IP in New York. And when I did that and I reloaded the app, the quality improved. Um, right. And I, I turned that off and went back to the to the non VPN usage because I was just falling asleep anyway and I didn't want to be you know, well, a dick. If everyone, if everyone's, <laughs> if companies are trying to save bandwidth, and I'm switching on my VPN so I can use even more data, even though my eyes were closed, I feel like that would be a bit of a dick move. Um, but it, but it, but anecdotally, I did think I could. I, I saw that um, that difference. However, where I do think there could be something to be done to make a difference um, is with games. Now that kids are broadly speaking going to be out of school because if you look at a game like red dead redemption 2 if you buy that digitally which you pretty much have to at this point because the shops are all going to be shut aren't they or deliveries won't be coming in then you are looking at about 100 gigabytes uh just to download that that yeah, one but game. aren't you looking at that even if you do buy it on a disc well doesn't it then immediately re-download literally all of the game i don't i don't i don't know it wouldn't surprise me i know there have been games that have been like 80 gig downloads followed by a 50 gig day one patch i think fallout um uh, 76 may have been one of one of those but but the fact is these are games that cannot use adaptive bitrate streaming in the same way that netflix can you know netflix and iplayer and all these services can dynamically reduce the bitrate based on network conditions uh whereas a game it, it it's all it's all or nothing unless the distribution platform lets you download uh, the first part of the game before the rest. But that's usually just as a measure to let you start early. It's not, it's not like you're selectively only installing the bits that you want. Um, so I, I, I do wonder if, if we're going to see an impact uh, as a, from that potentially on this network, um, on the networks with, with people being home. No, I mean, I, again, I, I don't believe strongly that this is a, a major issue. I, I, I can see if it was, if the, if the ISPs were particularly concerned about it, then they could ask. Um, but I, I really don't think it's a problem. I think we've got more than enough capacity. Unless people start doing things that are radically different to what they were before. Um, I don't know, downloading Linux torrents or something. Linux torrents aren't even that big these days. That always used <laughs> to be the kind of the the colloquial term for bit torrenting movies yeah, exactly. wasn't it is that bit torrent was just for linux distros um where we all knew that what we actually meant was um downloading tv shows that weren't available legally yeah. in our countries um but you know games and and if if you go and if you look at the size of some of these 4k 
HDR video downloads and streams. Like some of these, they're measured in the tens of gigabytes. Yeah. Um, for e- even just for a couple of hours, you know, a movie, a 4K HDR movie, can be 60, 70, 80 gig if you're getting like a quality comp- close to what the Blu-ray would be. But hit, well, let, let me let me flag, uh, run this up your flagpole and uh, see if you salute it. What if, what if people who want best quality for their expensive TVs look at Netflix streaming and go, mm, that's not very good, I'll torrent it instead. Then that would increase the traffic on the network exponentially because um, they would be both uploading and downloading rather than downloading only. Um, and yeah, and they would be flooding the network with torrent traffic. I think that's a very, a very, very good point. And in that scenario, they would also be uploading. So it wouldn't even just be the downstream. Yes. I think for the person that is motivated by lower quality Netflix to want to go to BitTorrent, they're probably not the kind of people that are using Netflix in the first place because the quality is just not no that comparison to what comes off a, a 4K Blu-ray, for example. Yes, I mean, that is true. And I think people forget just how good the quality of discs are. We're also used to putting up with streaming quality because it's a convenient product. You know, there's nothing like being able to stream every episode of a, of a TV show that you like. Like like I said to you before we started recording, um, I've been just streaming Ron Swanson clips from Parks and Recreation because uh, Ron Swanson's the hero we need right now. He is. This would be a great time to whip out the old PS2 the Sony NES, true classic consoles where there aren't updates needed. They're still great games. They're good fun, but better still, they will protect your ISP from hundred gigabyte, hundred gigabyte software patches. I was thinking about um, buying a TV because I found there's a there's a good deal on a, a 4K HDR LCD TV, and I, my bedroom TV is in dire need of replacing. It's quite old and doesn't always turn on. It's a bit of an annoyance. Um, Is it irresponsible of me to purchase frivolous goods at this time, um, thus stressing delivery networks? I think it's probably fine as long as you're not trying to buy eight of them at once and putting them in the freezer. (laughs) I'm not intending to do that. Um, I am hoping very much that I'll be able to go out later and purchase some toilet roll. I I don't have high hopes. If uh, if the shops have been wiped out... Uh then let me know. But I'm also thinking this is the time when I should probably get on with doing the things that I haven't done for so long because I've been busy. Like now is the exactly the time for me to um, try and get a bed for my spare room and, you know, do things that I have put off. Well, let us know how you are rationing your bits and bites in this uh, in this time of COVID-19. Hopefully you're still able to stay entertained as equally well as you're able to stay safe. But let us know how you're doing that by sending us a message. Hello at UKTechShow.com. I'm filing this next story under bad timing, Ian. Uh, Gizmodo wrote this week that the eastern half of the Jubilee line on the London Underground now has full mobile connectivity. Uh, As of this week, that means 4G as opposed to only having Wi-Fi. Last year, the pilot for the mobile coverage on the underground was announced. We talked about it at the time, and it was done with operators including EE, Vodafone, O2, 3, the main ones, of, of course. And the plan was for hundreds of miles of cable to be installed to bring the 4G connectivity um, to parts of the Jubilee line between Westminster and Canning Town. Now, is that as far as 
Greenwich? I don't think it is, is it? I think Canning Town is before North Greenwich. North Greenwich being where the O2 Arena is. I would have thought it would have made sense to extend it that far, but hey-ho. The fact is, 4G is now available, and all platforms and tunnels on the entire Jubilee line are set to have 4G access by the end of the year. Of course, the irony here is that this has come during the week the UK has gone into partial lockdown, with lines being closed, stations are being closed, travel restrictions, and other things either being imposed on us by ourselves or or government ordered in in some ways uh the other irony to this is that it actually has launched exactly when it was planned to launch which is one of the only examples i can think in recent memory of some kind of public service initiative of this scale and importance launching on time i don't know if i'm being too harsh there ian (laughs) no not necessarily I'm not overblown by the idea of 4G on trains anyway. I I kind of feel like it's the last thing we need. I used to agree with that point of view, but actually having seen people use uh, their phones on the tube, it's not really that distracting because it's so loud down there that no one wants to have the conversation, really. so No, but you will get the occasional person who will want to have a conversation and will do no matter how much volume it, in- it requires them to produce out of their stupid cake holes yes and that will still happen i'm sure regardless um but for most people then they're not doing it given how often you're stuck in a tunnel waiting for the train to pull ahead away from you in front of you i'm i'm kind of for this like if you're delayed and you're stuck in a tunnel not being able to say hey i'm running late or something like that it's i think it's quite useful so i'm actually in favor of it i'm far more in favor of this than of wi-fi on planes even though i've used wi-fi on planes i'm in favor of both frankly but yeah i mean i i i don't think i don't want people making calls on the tube but like like you say that for me the advantages of having 4g data underground far outstrip the occasional inconvenience of some moron talking I mean, you and I have a long history of um, sharing our annoyances with 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 the conversations that people <laughs> have. I was actually on um, I was on a train about three weeks ago where a gentleman, an older gentleman, was using FaceTime to talk to what sounded like his son, and this was frustrating for two reasons. The first, and this is why his age was relevant, is that obviously he was having difficulty hearing his. Uh, his grandson and so the volume was set to max max volume in this train carriage but uh, on a on a on speakers not on, on headphones on speakers this is all on right, speakers well, but on top of that because um the grandson in question had quite a high-pitched uh, voice you know his voice hadn't broken he was he was very young it just reverberated around the carriage even more than it otherwise would have done if it was with a uh, a lower voice so it all added up to just being the most frustrating experience and no one said anything and i'm as guilty as anyone else i didn't say anything either and part of me was actually calmed slightly by the fact that it was a very sweet conversation but nonetheless i'm thinking dude headphones seriously yeah absolutely and i mean people people really i I don't want to hear other people's personal calls, I, as sweet as that is, and everything. I just, I don't want it. I, I I'm, not, I'm, I don't want to hear your personal conversation. Do you, do you remember the time when we were at Cena and um, I got, I, it was when I was living in Watford and I got used to get the Metropolitan line in every, uh, every day, and there was a guy who was talking really loudly on his phone to some guy who was fitting a door 
or something for him. And I just bellowed across the train, you know, probably causing more disruption than the phone call itself, you know. So I can't remember what I said now, you know. For I think it was something like, for the love of God, man, no one cares about your front door. Can you shut up? Uh, and that was the end of that. I didn't get any backup from anyone, but I'm sure internally they were all thinking, we were all thinking it. Yeah. Uh, I vaguely remember that, actually. I vaguely remember it. Um, John in the chat room asks, are you sure it wasn't Bob Mortimer? If it had have been Bob Mortimer, who I went to see live only about two weeks ago with Andy, um, I would have been more than happy. I would have, I would have had a complete double standard in that instance. Here's a funny story on the topic of Bob Mortimer, sort of. I once fell asleep on the Eurostar sitting directly opposite Vic Reeves on the way to Paris. And I had no idea he was there because I'd fallen asleep. He had got on with his wife. He was taking her, apparently, for lunch in Paris that day. And he, because he got on after I had got on on one of the four-seater bits with a table in the middle, I, I didn't know that he was there. And I woke up after they'd got off and missed sitting and spending a good two hours talking to Vic Reeves, who I absolutely love. Can you... I think he probably got off lightly there, didn't he? I think we would have had an excellent exchange. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it's a real shame. I was gonna, I, Normally at this point, I invite people to give a comment about 4G uh, on the Jubilee line, but um, we practically had nothing to say about it, so I doubt you will either. <laughs> The Register wrote this week that Dixon's car phone confirmed it will close all 531 standalone car phone warehouse stores. Uh, the warehouse, which uh, is neither a warehouse nor is it a place to buy car phones anymore, uh, the brand will still survive, uh, according to the company, but it will be an internal component of some of the bigger Curry's PC World stores. So like a counter, basically, rather than being a distinct entity on the high street. The Carford Warehouse website will also survive, the register wrote, and the business will continue to sell handsets and contract renewals over the phone. That would be a real kick in the teeth, wouldn't it, Ian, if they, uh, if they killed the phone, the ability to buy a phone on the phone. Oh, sorry, you can no longer buy a phone using a phone. You have to send us a letter. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Hilarious. I'd really enjoy that. What's interesting here, and part of the reason that I wanted to talk about this isn't just the closure or that it resulted from losing the company losing too much money, but that the company said explicitly that this wasn't connected to COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic more broadly. Things have been bad for quite a long time. And so this announcement, it really is, 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 is coincidental. We talked last about Carphone Warehouse on episode 140. That was in June 2018. I had to look it up because at the time we said Dixon's was closing down 92 Carphone Warehouse stores in response to falling sales because people were holding on to their phones for a lot longer or they were going for like short-term SIM-only deals, which are far less profitable for, for Carphone compared to the years-long contracts that it likes to sell. So this has been a work in progress. But I did think that it was worth us talking about because touching phones in person is actually 
really handy. And I don't mean that to sound like a like a pun, but that is genuinely, given that everything is basically a slab of glass and aluminium. Um, yeah, it's it's actually quite handy, not during a coronavirus pandemic where touching things. But I think that doesn't need to be said, really. The uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, unless you're someone who religiously just buys the latest iPhone or the latest Samsung Galaxy S or Galaxy Note or whatever, you, you really, you, if you're picking a you know an Android phone, you want to be sure that you feel comfortable with it in your hand. Some of them are very big, some of them are very small. You want to know that it's the right device for you. So actually, going and feeling a phone, if you'll forgive the expression is really important and it's a shame that there will be job losses involved in this of course but i think the company has said that it will be able to move a lot of those people into other roles in the in the wider group business but i mean do you think let's say in 10 years time let's let's take a medium uh, view on this do you think we'll look back at this point and think wow wasn't it really weird that we used to have high street shops that sold phones. I mean, it might be really weird to say we, we had high street shops at all, but do you think this is going to look like a relic, like when we used to buy, have an um, you know, umbrella specialists and, and uh, cobblers? Hey, do you remember when it was possible to buy things on the high street that weren't vapes and everyone will look at you blankly and coffee and everyone will be like, oh, I know what coffee is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't think it will be considered. I don't think there's anything weird about going and buying something in a shop. I just think that for most people, it's not. It's just not really a priority. They, a lot of people, I mean, we, we are a bit sheepish. That is true. You know, a lot of people will buy a phone that everyone's talking about that they, you know, they think they can trust because it's a big name or whatever. Um, so I, I suspect this will probably could potentially have a big impact on smaller companies um, who make phones that are very good, but you wouldn't know that unless you actually went and saw one. Um, but also anecdotally, um, it might help people m- make a decision based on things other than what the salesman wants you to buy. And you do have to remember that where salesmen are involved, there, there may potentially be incentives on buying certain devices or... And this doesn't necessarily, you know, suggest that there's any sort of corruption going on here. It may be that some companies are better at training staff in these stores about the the, the benefits of their products than they are, um, and then than other companies are. So, for example, you might have a a very very big phone company that's very good at getting people trained on the pros and cons of their devices, whilst the other companies don't go in for that for possibly for budgetary reasons or whatever so people are making decisions um based on the advice from stores uh, and that might not necessarily be the best advice for them and they may find better information online um although again obviously you know the you could argue the quality of reviewing hardware is not great if yeah no, i i don't know where i stand on that i don't do it anymore but um certainly reviews are as subjected to personal opinion than anything else but anyway it does give it does give other companies an opportunity to um maybe uh, for people to see specs and think oh that actually fits my needs better than whatever the biggest selling device is i'll get that one so who knows maybe that shift is a is a positive thing i remember phones for you you remember phones <laughs> phones for you <laughs> i do phones, of course i don't I know why i'm laughing it's I've, not funny you know, Mate, I've got I, when I bought my first phone. I've got a. Um, this might be another one for the, the Discord chat. I've got. Um, I've. You, do you remember I rewrote an article about the uh, Motorola seventy five hundred when we were at CNET? No, I, I could probably get a, get a link up for that. I've still got the box for the thing. 
Where is this story going? Well, it's just about how retail has changed and you were about to tell me about phones for you and I was just going to say I remember when I walked into what probably was a either a Cellnet store or at the time a, a maybe a BT shop to buy my first phone but you carry on with your story and I'll take a photograph of the box oh okay I thought you were just going to say something like remember rewrote uh, an article at CNET because of something that happened specifically in a phones for you I thought that was that's where you were going with that but it turned out to be no. not the case no, that wasn't the case. I was telling you about a particular story about phone retail oh. related to the fact that I rewrote an article for CNET about that phone many years after it came out. Anyway, do carry on. Oh, I see. Okay, well, we'll include links to those, I'm sure, in the show notes, won't we, if you find them? Yeah, why not? I, w- I will. I yeah. would enjoy reading uh, reading that. I do I do miss your, your, your writings, your musings on, on tech. Um, <laughs> well, my story isn't really any more interesting than yours, I suppose, because mine was just about something I did many, many years ago. Well, do tell. Well, I worked in a phones for you when I was 18 because I thought I want to put my my perceived knowledge of um, of technology to some kind of use. I was trying to be a writer and I wanted to be a journalist. And I thought, well, maybe I'll work in a try and get a job in a phone shop so I can dispense advice. And I was hired and I worked there for about a week because it was God awful. (laughs) Of course it was. What did you expect? I don't know. I just don't. I wasn't expecting to be pressured into selling phones that we had a lot of stock of, as opposed to phones that I thought somebody genuinely would would you know that would be right for them. As I recall, the there was a sharp flip phone that was being promoted by David Beckham. Ooh, and I remember we had loads of those, and we were sort of encouraged to to by the by the store manager to um to push those. And um, I remember not doing because I thought the phone was crap. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, and that, that, does that not prove the point I was making? Yes, it does entirely. But, yeah. You know. You know. But perhaps people are better off without that that salesmanship going on. Um, but you know, sometimes the information in these stores is genuinely good. I mean, you and I. I've, I mean, I, I certainly worked in Curry's for many years. Well, not for many years, for a year or so when I was at university. Um, and I, f- I felt like I did a good job of explaining things to people, including when to and when not to take ext- extended warranties. Oh, God, yeah, the warranty conversations. Oh, the warranty yeah, conversations. God, no. We were all on commission if we could sell warranties extended warranties yeah i used to i i don't think i was ever eligible for commission so i used to tend i i tended to run my sales against other people's um uh number you know uh, employee ids so that they could benefit because I, I i didn't get any benefit and i wasn't really hired as a a salesperson i was sort of more hired as a general dog's body so to speak well maybe anybody listening who's had recent experiences at Carphone Warehouse or stores like it would like to share the experience and how it compares to our experiences. I mean, I worked there when I was 18, so it's literally half my life ago. And it wasn't more than a couple of years after that, that um, that I ended up that I, I started the conversations about moving to London um, to be a writer. So my experience is very, very niche and short lived and a long time ago. So maybe there are better stories. Um, from these days but uh, if you are affected i hope you find extra work um and you can let us know any happy memories you have of buying in the car phone warehouse by sending us a message hello at uktechshow.com 
You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Diving into the mailbag, Ian, uh, which uh, has had some interesting views uh, sent towards it recently. Uh, This one came in from Matt in Milton Keynes, who says, Hi, guys. Starship extended their delivery robots in Milton Keynes on Friday and added new locations in central Milton Keynes for restaurants. Unfortunately, though, uh, Matt says, I'm still about 500 metres from being able to get a delivery. Um, But he said he's really interested in their cleaning policy um, with the current pandemic in mind. Uh, But he's not able to go um, to the the places that are putting deliveries on these little delivery robots uh, because he is self-isolating. I don't think we've got a critical mass of these things yet for any hygiene uh, consideration to be a massive problem either way but as we get more drone deliveries and more deliveries made via automated machines i, I do wonder if we'll need a a cleaning solution for them maybe it's an interesting point. but um th- well, it is an interesting point and um but also you know these these technologies could be a, a really good way of keeping us away from humans which are the real problem rather than robots which are less of a problem as long as you remember to wash your hands after interacting with them Yes, exactly. Robots are filthy. Well, they could be. Yes, that's certainly true. I mean, I'm sure there are ways of uh, mitigating that risk with a, a, a long-lasting antibacterial uh, spray or something, you know. Yeah. When you kiss a delivery robot, you are kissing every delivery robot that <laughs> delivery robot has ever kissed. <laughs> Just say no. <laughs> That's brilliant. We are going to say yes, though, to Tom Merritt, because he is going to tell us what's been going on in the wider world of technology this week over on Daily Tech News Show. Tom. This week on Daily Tech News Show, the challenges social networks face in moderating content when you have to send all the humans home. How much privacy would you give up to fight off COVID-19? Automakers volunteer to produce medical equipment, including Elon Musk's Tesla. Allison Sheridan tells a woeful tale of Motorola and Google customer support for a missing Android security update. And Patrick Norton helps us keep our home networks running smoothly. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom. Stay safe. Stay great. My message to him every week for many years. Yes. And he's well, always done that. He's always stayed safe, safe and always stayed great. So the system clearly works. I would wish the same upon many people. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Just coming down with the virus. Not really. Well, I hope you stay safe, mate. Um, I'm, go- I'm trying. I haven't left the house for two weeks. 
If you're a patron, thank you so much. You're keeping us in supply of face masks and uh, self-isolation entertainment measures. Um, but also, because we have episode 200 coming up in just a pair of weeks, we have a couple of ideas in mind for what to do. And as this week's extra message um, detailed, we've got couple of interesting ideas i think as to how to celebrate episode 200 which we'll be sharing with everyone else over the coming days i am sure but if you want a sneak peek you've got to get extra message over at patreon.com forward slash uk tech ian once again a great pleasure to be in your virtual presence for uh, this extended amount of time on this sunday the 20 what day is it today who knows who 20, knows mate 22nd of of March, yes. It's day Am 113 I, uh, after the event. Remain <laughs> indoors. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.